When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me as always, my man Cody. How you doing tonight? Doing all right, man. Uh, it's starting off the week, getting back into it. It's a it's an incredibly busy time over here for me, but uh, can, always, can always make time to chop it up and talk a little bit more Dynasty. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I didn't even realize it was Monday until we were talking earlier, and I was like, holy crap, we got to record tonight? So uh, yeah, it's just been flying by is what it feels like, and uh you know this this dead period has been flying by too. We've been we've we've filled it quite nicely with uh with with some drafts. It's it's been startup season obviously, and then we'll start to get training camp and all that kind of fun stuff in July before we kick things off in August with with you know the preseason. So uh, we have been doing some startups, predominantly auction, and that's what we're going to talk about a bit today. Is diving into to some auction stuff. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on that note there? No, I mean, it's auction is the predominant way to draft. That's what everybody should be converting to. If you want to try to take advantage of some people in some snake drafts, by all means, go ahead. But if you want a truly competitive, fair, balanced approach to doing a dynasty startup, in my mind, it's got to be auction or nothing else at this point. I think now probably 66% of my leagues, I think, are auction leagues or 66% are best ball leagues. And then all of my startups as of recent outside of one has been auction. Yeah, I've I've only done auction startups this off season. I don't think I've had a single snake thinking. Nope. Um, so yeah, it's it's all auction. I I'm just tired of being at the back of a draft, right? You 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 hop into a a, a snake draft and you find out you're like the 111, 112. You know you're missing out on the top quarterbacks, and it's it's super frustrating. So um, you know, speaking of things that you know, I hate missing out on. You don't want to miss out on Best Ball Mania 4. And if you haven't heard, Destination Devi has partnered with Underdog Fantasy for the upcoming season. So if you want to be part of that, make sure you do use code TFDR at signup to get up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit. And if you do deposit $10 or more at signup, you will get one year access to the Destination Devi Discord. So you can check out all the awesome things that 
are going on in there. See all the tools that are dropping weekly with updated ADP, updated information with the, with the spike in the floor data um, that Jay Rich posts all the time, along with all the team builds that are going on out there talking about different game theory, stacking, etc. So uh, hands down, the best place to be in fantasy is Destination Debbie. So again, TFDR at sign up, up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit and $10 or more to get that one-year access to Destination Debbie. And if you do get into that Destination Debbie Discord, you can have access to doing the startups with us, like the one that we're currently doing right now, which is the biggest and baddest Dynasty League that I have personally ever been a part of, and I think is more being bad than 99% of leagues out there. The Heroes and Villains League that I'm sure you've heard about on this channel, on Wake Up as well. If you're tapping into anything with Destination Devi, I'm sure you've heard of this league by now. It is an absolute insane league. 36 teams auction three 12-man pods of US FFL style auction startup. Uh, there's a relegation league after the first year that people get kicked down into. I think somebody calculated up the total pot. It's like $5,600 of a total pot and a lot of that going to the top four teams in this 32-man yeah. league. So high stakes and if you if you can beat out 36 other Heisman tier members and a couple over from Destination or Dynasty and Chill from Scott's, you deserve you deserve a pretty damn big reward, and this is one of the most insane leagues I've ever been a part of. Yeah, this has been an absolute blast. We are, I think, seven or eight days into the actual auction itself, and um, that's that's kind of what sparked all this, right? Like we wanted to, to kind of dive in and talk about auction. And if you have haven't tuned in, make sure you do check out all the stuff that's going on on Destination Debbie Radio. So you're going to hear a ton about this league going forward. Uh, Scott and Ray are going to be talking about it a lot. Ray's going to be talking about it on Wake Up. He even talked about it, you know, I think this past week. So. Yeah. This is this is the league. This is the league. Um, I have a championship belt hanging up behind me from Royal Rumble from last year, and and that league is still super prevalent as well. Fourteen team, two copy. But yeah, anytime you get these multiple copies, you get twenty eight or thirty six sharp people in a room doing drafts. Uh, it's a blast. So diving into today, you know, start doing a startup auction is. A, a whole different beast than just doing snake snake you can follow adp it's super simple it's kind of just you know go with the flow maybe make some trades up and down you know how do you do a startup auction it's a lot about budgeting right it's it's one of the most difficult things about doing these auction and specifically best ball auction drafts which is what we're going to be really focusing on here today for the most part because that's again all we do over in destination debbie <laughs> lineups lineup is a dying breed there and it's even more so if you tap over with the uh mike and adam and the 40 chess guys in south and they don't do any of them i don't think anymore they might have a couple of stragglers around but i'm sure those are about ready to hit the road as well so we do love best ball as well makes sundays a lot easier and it makes the trade market in my opinion even more hectic and uh your strategy even more even more prevalent that you have to build between because you have to build out in this league, you know, start 13 on the weekly for best ball. You've got to, you've got to build it out deep. And so, and you, for me personally, I'm looking at how many starters do I have and how many, how many positions do I really want to fill down this entire roster? Me personally, I do what's called a par sheet, which is something I took from Drew Davenport over at the auction brief. He does a lot of redraft auction content over there. If you want to listen to any of that, he's, done some really good work over the years for that but he has a par sheet where basically he lists out what he wants to spend at each position for each roster spot breaking it all the way down and this you know specifically 32 man 
32 man rosters. So you're breaking down 32 positions, how many of each position at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end you want to spend, and how much you want to spend at your running back one through running back seven, quarterback one through quarterback four or five, how many ever you want to roster. And you put a value to each one of those to keep yourself kind of online for this league, whatever your whatever your starting budget is, hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. Most of the ones that we do are a thousand, and so you put you know quarterback one. I want to try to spend around two hundred and seventy. Go down the entire list for all thirty-two roster spots. Yeah, and so I mean, you love using that sheet. Um, I, I've done something similar. I've always I've kind of done it inverse, where you know. I usually just kind of break it out individual positions and then I find out what uh, where my calculation is from there, um, which is always interesting to see like where I actually think I'm going to be spending my money. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really where it starts out is we got to check out the scoring. Like you said, we want to check out how many starting roster spots we have, how many total roster spots we have. And then the actual scoring in the league. And then just for just for sake of conversation, because the the Heroes and Villains League does have some crazy scoring. Um, and there's no need to you know confuse the people with some of that. We will talk about that league because we are in that auction right now. It's a you know, we have some values from that. But in terms of scoring, you know, we're not gonna do anything crazy. We're gonna just talk, you know, basic 12 man super flex PPR with a tight end premium, and we usually have a 1.5, or do you want to do 1.75? Either way. Uh, we can just tie it in premium 1.75 works for this, but okay. really the premiums don't actually matter. Even in no. start two tight end leagues in best ball, like really it's Kelsey or bust. And like, there's three tight ends that matter and still the rest of them never actually matter in terms of actually being a worthwhile contribution that you should spend up for in, in the most part. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, the big thing of note is figuring out if there's the positional advantage anywhere, what it may be. So always check out your scoring and always check out the, the roster requirements um, and starting requirements. And even though it's best ball that we're talking, like you still want to have the starting focus. Like, is it start 10, start 11? How many people need to crack your lineup? Cause that will matter when you're, when you're doing your roster construction. Cause as Cody said, you know, you're, you're going through this and thinking, okay, four quarterbacks, eight running backs, 10 wide receivers. Like you're doing the full roster construction that Scott has talked about that you've heard Mike and Adam talk about doing the best ball, best ball roster construction as well. It's so important to figure out how you want to actually distribute those funds throughout each of those positions too. Exactly. And we can just dive right into it here. Um, Going, going through. And I think the biggest position that you got to start off with is the quarterback room, right? Um, You know, we, we always preach the top two start or the top two of the top eight or nine quarterbacks and super flex in your rankings, whoever those two may be. But I think that, I think that strategy actually does lend itself more to snake startup than it does auction startup. Yeah. It's borderline impossible. I, I you rarely do you see two top eight quarterbacks. And if you do get two top eight quarterbacks, you're getting like the back end. You're getting like Justin Fields and T-Law. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are two very good quarterbacks, two very good fantasy scores. But what you're actually spending for them is going to be upwards of 50%. And so when we've done our our averages, Cody, you, you broke this down and, and kind of figured out what our averages that we spent, just looking at the quarterback position, on average in best ball drafts, you spent 43% of your budget on the quarterback position, and I spent 40% of my budget on the quarterback position. So spending 50% of your budget on two guys is is scary, especially in best ball. 
Yeah, and, and where that data is coming from, we've done, I think between the two of us, eight startup auctions in best ball. And so I went back through and I, I pulled the values of where we spent at each of the positions in all eight of those leagues. And so averaging them all together, you know, I, in one league, I spent a high of 57% where I had a Travis or I had a uh, Patrick Mahomes build. And so you, you can still get up to that point, but you have to allocate the rest of your funds differently if you want to try to do that. I've found that I really kind of like that 40 to 50% number. And that's where, you know, 43% is where I've came in over the last four auctions that I've done. So when you, when it came down to your Patrick Mahomes build, I, I'm just kind of curious, um, what was your thought process? Like, did you, were you thinking like, I'm going to go in here, I'm going to spend. And, and for those that don't know auction values, uh, typically, you know, when you're talking about a thousand percent, you know, a thousand dollar budget, Mahomes is usually 30% plus of your budget. So 300 to $320 range, sometimes higher. We, we at heroes and villains, we had one there for three forty. Um, so those prices do range. So when you went into that one and you, I know you wanted him, but like, what was your thought process? Like how, how did you allocate your funds knowing you wanted to spend on Mahomes? That's that specific league's a little bit interesting. So that's our USFFL best ball one that we did. And that one is, is where I actually started off by looking at the scoring because both quarterback and tight end were extremely juiced compared to the running back and wide receiver positions there. And so I was like, I don't have a I don't have a Patrick Mahomes share yet. I'm going into this draft getting Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Like that's all that I cared about for that draft. I budgeted everything else around that, made sure I had plenty of funds to do it, but I was going to get a Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey build. I ended up getting it. It's one of the it's one of the few times where I've actually gone and wanting a specific player or a specific couple of players and actually came out with getting it because the the league actually valued it roughly about the same what I did for my par sheet at the beginning. And then from from there, I mean, obviously that that was the build, and I, I know I'm pretty sure you made the championship game in that. You you, you lost I, out, but I did unfortunately lose in the championship game, but got you know those two basically alone <laughs> carried me all the way there. And I wanted to bring that up at least to, to at least prove the point. Like even though you spent over fifty percent of your budget on the quarterback position, like you can still compete for a title. You can still build a team that's competitive. So um, with with what you did with that room, uh, I don't know if you have the team up right now, but just kind of thinking about Patrick Mahomes, you know, what other quarterbacks were you actually able to afford spending an additional probably what twenty to twenty three percent on that? Yeah, room? in that one, I actually got two other uh, two other quarterbacks that I actually paid up for in the auction. Again, this is USFFL style, which in terms of total funds that you want to allocate towards the position, I think roughly the percentages still apply. Now you yeah. are backfilling it with the snake portion of the draft and won't get into the full the details <laughs> of how that draft works because it's incredibly complicated. But what I want to allocate in terms of percentage of my funds is typically the same. Um, so in that one, it does look like I got I've, I've done a little bit of trading in there. I believe I backfilled that one with two quarterbacks of Tom Brady and Bryce Young, which cost me $100 each at the time last year's startup because this was a 2022 league. That's right. And then th th it is also Debbie. So, you know, Bryce Young's value, you know, it is still valuable, even though he was a zero last year for you, but um, still spent that money on the quarterback position. So uh, it's it's just one of those things that typically you're going to have to to figure out a way to get a QB two at that point. You know, when you're spending 30 percent of your budget, you're not really going to be able to go after, you know, anyone in that two hundred and fifty dollar range or two twenty even like you just don't want to do that. Yeah, really, if you're if you're probably going up into that top three quarterback range, typically the way that I've seen those builds work out is you kind of have to go into the back end of QB two 
and probably get one or two of those guys to really fill that fill out the rest of that room. Patrick Mahomes isn't really one or even, you know, spending up currently we're seeing in the auctions. Typically it's like a Josh Allen at 300. It's Jalen Hurts at 30% or $300 in a thousand dollar budget as well. I haven't seen too many of the builds where I'm really liking the way the team gets built out depth wise, especially in best ball where you're getting another top eight quarterback because then you're spending $650 probably to get those two quarterbacks. And you don't have the depth to really build out the rest of the positions if you're still trying to compete year one. Yeah, typically the ones that I've seen lately involve Deshaun Watson because his value has been a little bit depressed. Um, so he's usually in that like 230 range, 250 range. And then you get yourself another like Justin Fields, T-Law, Lamar, even at a point where it wasn't going as high. So, and again, you're still spending 48 to 50% of your budget on two players. And while that sounds great in lineup, and I want to hone in on this specifically for the quarterback position, like this is still best ball. And, and, and typically with your scoring, like you can have, we saw Geno Smith come out of nowhere last year and was able to, to probably be someone that you spent, you know, $10 on in an auction and ended up being a QB one for the season. So like you, you want to make sure you have depth at the position because we saw it last year, Lamar went down for a few weeks and, and didn't even finish out the season. Uh, we saw Hertz go down for a few weeks. We saw there's injuries that do happen at the position. And you want to make sure you have have some sort of depth. You don't want to just rely on it. But at the same time, like if you have Patrick Mahomes and you can get a Jared Goff and, a, you know, even Russell Wilson or, a, you know, last year you could have had Heineke. Like you can backfill and get f- four good quarterbacks for probably 40, 45 percent of your budget and not have to worry about spinning into the 50s. Like if you're if you allocate those funds accordingly. In that forty to fifty, that forty to forty-five percent, forty to fifty percent of your budget on the quarterbacks. Obviously, assuming you're in super flex leagues, because that's the only thing you should yeah. play. If you're if you're going to go into auction and in best ball and dynasty, why why wouldn't you at least be playing super flex if not two QB? But I, but I think that's kind of our happy medium, right? Like. I think that 40 to 50% range is really where I want to be spending for the quarterbacks to fill out all four spots. Typically, if I am going with, if I'm able to get that one top 10 quarterback, another quarterback two, and then backfill it with a couple of the, you know, kind of dart throw guys, maybe a Jimmy G, Ryan Tannehill, and then really take a stab at somebody with my fourth quarterback, like a backup, a Gardner Minshew or something that I can fill in just a QB four. Typically, I want to be spending up a pretty good amount, though, with those first three quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. And I think that's just the point I wanted to kind of look at with that specific team was just showing how you can build it out um, and kind of the the money that you're going to allocate towards that and how you can kind of shift things around. So um, typically when you do this startup, so it's kind of shifting away just the wholesale quarterback value. What do you typically look at with the board? Are you looking, are you reading the board? Like you might go in with a plan saying, I want X player. How, how do you, when do you pivot? how do you kind of set your um, your max value or the max that you're willing to spend on a player? Right. It, it's typically, typically I'm actually going to fade going after the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts level guys. I typically don't like to spend up for the 300 plus level quarterback unless the league really calls for it in the scoring. Typically I will try to stick more around that 250 range to fill out my QB1 and I'm really looking for where does the value lie and where does the league 
fading one of those top eight quarterbacks and probably try to hone in on one of those guys. Now, this this last week that we started, this last league that we started up, I really wanted a Justin Herbert share. Currently, I don't have any in the portfolio of, you know, 12 leagues or whatever it is right now. So I really wanted one. And I from my par sheet, I was budgeting in about 260 to $270 for Justin Herbert. We get quarterback up really early. I think it was day two, and Justin Herbert gets shot up for $290. And I'm like, well, it looks like we're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to change here. And so I ended up going for a little bit lower. I adjusted that number down, and I ended up getting Deshaun Watson for 230 So it's all a little bit of a balance of where you want to play. If I wanted to still go in on Justin Herbert, I could do that. But then I have to find $40 elsewhere throughout my team that I'm comfortable building out that way and reallocating the funds. Once you get one of those players, once you really see, hey, this is how the board's shaping out. This is who I'm going to be targeting. Always consistently adjust this, what I, what I like to call the par sheet of allocating the funds all the way throughout your roster and making sure that it's still viable within your team build. Yeah, and that's and that's typically what I do as well. I'll go in with a, a target in mind and a max I'm willing to spend. Um, I will pivot knowing that like my allocation, let, let, uh, for for instance, three hundred dollars. I was willing to spend three hundred dollars on a player. Once Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen went above that, I'm like, okay, what you know? Can I get Jalen Hurts? Can I stay in that top three because there's a significant scoring advantage in this league with that position? All right, tried it out. Was able to spend three oh five to get him, I believe, or did I spend three hundred flat? Either way, I was like, I was willing to go three oh five. Was like the max I was willing to go based on seeing what Patrick Mahomes and uh, and Josh Allen went for, and then I was able to to adjust from there. If I didn't get Hurts, if I like, I actually had it max proxy push me all the way to the limit. If they would have pushed me one dollar more, I would have pivoted and I would have done what I normally do, and that is where I like to build through QB twos, and I will just get. I'll get them all. I'll get. I'll get myself if I can get Dak. Great, but I would have gone after. You know, I, typically it's Cousins, my my favorite, Russell Wilson. Um, you know, I'll make sure I get get him in there. Um, I'd get Goff. I would have gone after like that range of quarterback because I could have spent forty percent max on three of those guys and had a stable quarterback room, and I could have still got it. You know, could have spent 50 bucks more and gotten you know a Derek Carr probably later on and had four solid quarterbacks for 450 bucks 45 percent of my budget like I like to usually spend my average is 40 but um that's that's kind of how I would have built it out and I would have felt really good about it too I, I even saying that right now I'm like man I wouldn't mind that room at all <laughs> I I know we we've built a lot of our teams that way yeah. the one the one league that we co-managed together we also built it up that way where i think we we kind of punted out of the top eight quarterback range and ended up going with a Tua, kirk cousins and might have actually been Derek carr that rounded up that squad <laughs> so we we definitely have built that way i have shifted a little bit more to like really trying to stay within the top 12 though I yeah. do want a little bit of my value insulated at quarterback. Like all of those guys, it's sometimes like pulling teeth just to try to get a first round pick worth of value. I've changed a little bit to where I typically want to try to stay within that like Dak Prescott range at a minimum. Kyler right now with what where his value is depressed to because of the injury. I want to stay right around there for my quarterback one, just because I do think they hold just they just hold so much more value and I can find some of the some of the points but you are right if you if you do end up building through that like multiple qb2 room don't just build through two of them like don't don't just sit there and you're gonna go okay i've got kirk cousins and kenny pickett end of story i'm not getting anybody else until i'm 
backfilling it with Taylor Heineke level type of players. Like you probably do need to spend up again, get a third one in there in this, in the same exact range. Um, can, can you spend up a little bit and get a Daniel Jones? If he's slipping in a little bit of value, you need, Tua. yeah, do You, you need another one of those guys in that range to really fill it out and still spend up to about that 40% level where, where you've actually been spending on average throughout your dynasty auction startups. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the the big thing that I just wanted to to think about was, you know, I'm willing to spend more if I'm getting a, a top tier quarterback, uh, more than my my average of forty to forty five, or even going up to fifty fifty plus. Um, but if I don't get one of those top guys, the goal isn't then to just reallocate funds. The goal isn't to just say, okay, I'm going to get as cheap of quarterbacks as possible and try and shift some money around. It's like, no, I'm going to get some quality quarterbacks, but I'm going to make sure I spend my 40 to 45% still uh, doesn't mean you overpay for them, but you, you figure out where that, uh, how you want to allocate it going forward. And then you just kind of start pivoting to that point is, is kind of the thought on that. Right. There, there is reallocation of funds, but it's reallocation of funds yeah. within the same position. Yes. You don't take it and go, okay, well now that I didn't get, you know, the top end quarterback, let me just dump all of the money into getting Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson. <laughs> like you, you still need to build out within each individual room unless you do think that you're the only the only way you can't really do that or you can get around it is with the trade market afterwards. And you still need assets yeah. that are worth that much. But quarterbacks the in Superflex is the most difficult position to trade within if you don't have one of those top tier guys. Like the the amount of the amount of capital that it takes for you to move up from just a Kirk Cousins range to go up and actually get one of those quarterbacks that matters. It's not just saying, oh, well, I spent this much on this player and now I spent another hundred dollars on B. John Robinson, the two combined to be worth that Justin Herbert. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Now you're actually putting on a B. John Robinson and you're putting on another wide receiver. You're putting on a DJ Moore on top of that and another first round pick just to get up there, even if it is best ball typically. The value once you get out of the auction just isn't there for me to reallocate funds outside of the position. And we'll get into some of that value here in just a minute here. I just wanted to kind of hone in a little bit on the quarterback before we dive into the other positions. Anything else you want to touch on when it comes to quarterback and just the overall allocation? The only thing that uh, I want to touch on a little bit with the quarterback is those kind of top three or the Patrick Mahomes price as well. If the if the payup for those type of players is really worth it to you, especially what we've seen with Patrick Mahomes. I know we've had the conversation, Ben. We love you, but we're, <laughs> we're on different sides of the coin on this one. I personally do not think that it is in normal leagues where the separation of scoring is not that much. I don't believe that it is actually advisable to spend up another 40 to 50, like 30 to $40 more for a Patrick Mahomes level player compared to any of the other quarterbacks that I think are in that same range with Josh Allen, with Jalen hurts. Yeah. And, and this is something that we've talked a bit offline about and just in, just in general, when it comes to even in, in Heisman, the, the value of Patrick Mahomes is getting insane. And that's just in the trade market. Like you can say he's worth however many firsts you want. You can say he's worth X, Y, Z players in terms of, you know, just the overall value, just looking at scoring, like he's still very good, but like Josh Allen has outscored him. I think every year for the past three years, Um, Josh Allen is not the past three years. Patrick Mahomes was one last year, but 
the, the last three years, it's been Josh Allen is one, one, and then two this year. Okay. Over those three years, in, in just terms of total points, not points per game, in the league that I just pulled up, Patrick Mahomes has been one, four, four. And then if you're going back further, 2019, he was seven. 2018, he was number one again. Still so, very good. So really, like, but the points per game difference between those guys is not actually that much. Now, the insulation of the value that they have is a little bit different because the market values Patrick Mahomes that much higher. But the actual point per game output that I'm getting is not that much different. Even if Josh Allen were to somehow, like, unfortunately go down for a year, I don't think his value tanks outside of the top five quarterbacks. And I don't think that I don't think that happens for Patrick Mahomes either. But I don't think he stays at one either. I mean, we just saw he lost Tyreek Hill and we nuked him all the way down to three or four because it's just how quickly and fluidly we change within the dynasty landscape. One, one thing in our, our mindset will completely flip one year where Patrick Mahomes is now finishing as the quarterback six overall, instead of the quarterback one way, like we want to lock him in for and He's not that much different than any of the other guys anymore, in my opinion. And that's, that's the thing you mentioned it right there is the injury aspect. And everyone has brought this up every single time we've had this conversation is that Josh Allen likes to run the ball. Jalen hurts runs the ball. And like, those are the, those are the top three right there is Allen hurts and Mahomes currently. And that's the big thing is everyone's just like, Oh, well, they, they they're so much more prone to injury and long-term it's going to be Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years. And it's like, I am not looking at my quarterback position and saying, yeah, 10 years. I'm not looking at any position and saying, I am having this player for 10 years in fantasy. I'm not. It's two to three year windows. I hope my players last longer than that. Sure. But at the same time, like you can't sit here and just project five, 10 years out and, and expect to pay value for that. And if that's how the market is like, yeah, I'm absolutely fine passing on your Patrick Mahomes. And I feel like that's where, where the big thing is for me is, the points per game difference isn't that much. If anything, like Jalen Hurts, I believe, had the, the best points per game last year. And in the end, I, I can find exactly what I'm looking for for cheaper. And that's that's how I look at it. I know people are going to hate that. So it is what it is, though. Hey, it's, we, we still love Mahomes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We still love Mahomes. Still he's, still, he's still the quarterback one. Uh, I don't think yep. there's really any question about that. But to say that he's worth an extra first on top of a Josh Allen yeah, or, or Jalen Hurts, I just don't think that I'm paying up for that. I already don't like to trade up between just the top eight or nine quarterbacks in general because typically on, on a points-per-game projection, they're really not all that different, and I don't like to use my assets to really move around within that range. It doesn't change for me in my top three either. Yep. So then uh, anything else on quarterback? Because I'm going to blow through the other positions real quick here as we touch on them. No, go go through the other ones. I've okay. got, a, I've got a tweet that I'm trying to pull up, but go through the other ones now. You're good. Um, so looking at like just the averages, because we talked about I was at 40% for quarterback. Cody was at 43. Our averages are actually pretty close for running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, you are at 14% for running back. I'm at 12. I'm at 35 for wide receiver. You are at 32. Uh, then you're at 11 for tight end, and I am at 11 as well. Um, I, I have a couple, yeah. I have a couple percentage points that are still on hold there, uh, but typically I spend about 37 on wide receiver or 13 on tight end. So that's where my two point differential goes to. But in the end, it's it's just looking at that wide receiver, right? Like right now in Dynasty, wide receivers king and full PPR. Really, what it comes down to is I'm I'm all about hogging as much wide receiver value as I can. 
And person. this is also a little bit of a difference between the lineup and best ball theory as well, right? True. Of where you want to allocate the funds and the roster spots specifically to the wide receiver versus the running back position. Because, you know, we, we've heard Scott talk about the roster construction series through the lineup. It's always NERB on a 53 and probably like 50% of your lineup should be running back. Well, now we're turning it into best ball format where the backup running backs that you're typically holding any any RB in a 53 week over week. You're just eating zeros if you do that. And so I'd rather fill out the depth at wide receiver as well. And I'd rather have what the market currently values as more insulated pieces in terms of where they value them. I mean, just go actually try to trade your Bijan for the three first price that everybody tells you you can get right now. And you don't get it because the running back is dead right now. Go (laughs) go try to sell your Justin Jefferson's Mar Chase for three first, and you'll probably get 60% of them are done within that day. And so like, it's just where the value is held and where we typically want to invest a little bit more of our funds in these startup auctions to a position that the current market consensus values higher. And and that kind of goes into to what you know we we're going to talk about here is is best ball, you know, talking about holding players that hold value. Um, which is something that you kind of look at, like the first equivalent of what you're actually drafting. Um, right now, wide receiver has a ton of value, even if they're not putting up a lot of points for your actual fantasy team. We, we you know, we talk about it all the time. Where uh, just using Drake London as an example, very talented, very good player, but he's the upside. While we can paint the picture of him being very good, it's gonna be really tough for him to crack the top twelve. Um, so again, still has value but he's just going to be a wide receiver too at best. And, and those types of players are ones that you still want to roster because they're still going to hold immense value for you in the trade market. Right. And even if, even if you're not, you know, you're only two people are able to get the Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson players. And you're typically spending up a lot for those. Even if you're not getting those though, I still want to build through a lot of wide receivers that are typically worth that first value and range. Um, just because the the wide receiver year over year holds more of that value. We can see that even though the 30-year-old wide receivers right now, the Tyreek, the Adams, the Diggs, uh, in, yeah. in Cooper Cup, all of them are devalued, but they're still just hanging right around there at that like wide receiver 14 range. Sure. And everybody, everybody still values them there until they stop producing there, even, even through injuries, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup specifically. Like he's still first worth the first after coming off of a I mean, he was off to a fire start last year, but coming off of an injury and coming off of an absolutely, you know, you don't really know what the quarterback position is going to be there. If Matthew Stafford can actually stay healthy, you have a credible amount of unknown with that situation. And yet he's still a top like 17 wide receiver for most people in dynasty. Yeah. And and that, that does come down to just, again, it's the, it's the nature of, of, of are you putting up points or do you have the youth insulated side of things? And he's, he's putting up monster points. So <laughs> that man right there, uh, I think will ball no matter who's throwing him, the, throwing the football to him. Uh, so hopefully uh, Stafford can stay healthy this year so we can see what a full Cooper cup season would look like. But yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you specifically. So when you talk about players that hold value, how do you do that with a running back position? And, and I know roster construction wise, you know, we do build depth at the wide receiver position because you could find your Tyler boards, your KJ Osborne's, your, your Zay Jones, you know, last year, Marvin Jones, even like you can find guys that can get you points at wide receiver, but with running back, how do you like to build in best ball? 
the way that I typically like to build, especially is if you've been listening to any of our content, you know, we typically like to go more win now. Um, so yeah. I will, I will buy into the, the Saquon Barkley's, the CMC's, um, Brees Hall's been somebody who's been a little bit more depressed in value just coming off of the injury that I've picked up a lot of as of late. And so I really want to build into a lot of those type of guys, the ones that are top five, top six in market value, or I'll punt all the way down to guys who are barely even worth the first anymore. Um, right now, it, it is one thing though, like I'm fine investing the value there. If, if they're the right type of player, I'm fine investing the value in the league that we're currently talking about the heroes and villains. Like I'm currently projected out to have 20% of my funds in the running back and 27% of my funds in a wide receiver. And so my wide receiver isn't going to be nearly as top heavy as my running backs. And I can, I can vary those two a little bit more than I can the other positions. I don't really like to vary my quarterback percentage that much but running back and wide receiver i can i can shift those two a little bit more but it just has to be in assets that i'm actually using and actually project to either one score me a bunch of fantasy points year one and i'm just leaning into the win now build or it has to be in assets that are Bijan, jameer gibbs almost pretty much just exclusively rookies or sophomore year guys i really don't have too much of a you know putting all my value into the Travis ETNs, the yeah, that that type of player where Tony Pollard right now, th those type of players where they're outside of the first like two years and they don't really hold, they're not going to play out the rest of their rookie contract. Those are the players that I have a lot more fear about putting in, not having insulated value within, even though they currently hold the market value. And I still have that first plus worth of like, like projected first worth value that I could trade them for on the open market. I'm not really looking to put most of my capital into those type of players. Yeah. And I, I look at, and just to kind of uh, just looking at position players, I like to tier them out and I will go for at each position. I want a top six score. If I can get a top six score at the position, that is the goal at every single one. And maybe that is a, as you mentioned, Tyreek Diggs, Adams, type who are up there in age but they have less they're not valued as highly in the community so i can get them for cheaper and then i will try to insulate with value at the wide receiver position you know specifically trying to get some younger players that could have some breakouts maybe that have shown promise maybe we're just waiting for their moment their breakout whatever whatever story you want to tell yourself um, that's kind of how I'll do that is, is I'll look to, to like, for instance, this draft here, um, since we can talk about it, I got Devonte Adams. So like, that's my top six score. And then I was able to backfill with like Christian Watson, Christian Kirk and Brandon. Ayuk. again, nothing like special, but at the same time I can get them. They were the cheaper in that tier. They were the cheapest ones in their tier where I didn't have to spend up for, you know, double the price for, for a Drake London, even though Drake London's value might be more. Christian Watson still has similar upside for me. And that those are the types of things that I look at when it comes to specific players. I want to make sure that they're in specific tiers. And at the running back position, I, I honestly, it's probably more scoring based than anything. Just because, and this is talked about all the time, it's, you just mentioned it. Like you're talking about one to two years and we're worried about the long longevity of some of these guys. Who's going to get a contract? Who's going to get buried? Who's going to get replaced? Just, just give me the, Give me the Nick Chubb. Give me the Derrick Henry. Give me the guy that's going to score some points. Like, that's all I'm looking at here. And who's the cheapest one I can get that's going to score me some points in the next one to two years? 
And you're you're talking about the wide receiver that you built out with and Devontae Adams. We're we're incredible way too similar, man. I have Cooper Cup as my wide receiver that I project to be up <laughs> yeah. there. I tried yeah. to get Cup. That was the one I tried to get. I just got shafted. Adam just kept coming at me. And I was like, all right, I caved. Those guys are so hard to pass up an auction right now yeah. because they're just so depressed compared to what their projected volume output is going to be for the next one to two years. And leaning into these win now builds that we typically go into, the value and point differential is just so vast. If they you know play all 17 games, stay healthy, and they don't just fall off the cliff, that could happen. You know, it's the risk you're taking anytime after that age 30 season is typically when we you know try to start projecting these players to fall off. But until they do, I'm just going to keep buying back in. I'm just going to yep. keep going back into them. Um, and, then, and then specifically for this league, you know, I, I, told, I was talking about the running back. I'm honestly a little bit more scared about this one because it's Jonathan Taylor is the running back that I decided to invest into. But still Ooh. top five, top five running back in Dynasty. Yep. Um, that's really like that's probably top five, top six running backs outside of that. You know, I really don't care about the age for those type of players. Other than that, though, I'm not really trying to invest anywhere else until I get to a guy like Derrick Henry and he, for a third of the price i'm getting the production of derrick henry for the one two years to really lean into that win now build um and you're talking about the the depth that you're building out from the wide receiver position there i agree with you it's just a bunch of those it's a bunch of those guys that are in that wide receiver two range i want to hammer as many of them as i can if i'm not building through one of the guys like a J justin jefferson like a jamar chase I just want to get as many guys as I can that don't hit that are probably within that flat tier that we typically like to trade between in normal lineup leagues. But what I don't want to do is just have only darts to really fill out this thing. I, I need a right. lot of I need a lot of guys that are going. I, I need to try to fill out as much depth as I can through that wide receiver two to wide receiver three range. Yeah, and I think that that's one like one of the biggest things that I, I think about all the time when we talk about best ball is yes, in theory. You know, there are individual players that that can pop out of nowhere. Juwan Jennings can have one monster game. You could have, uh, I, I, you know, Noah Brown having one monster game for a season. And yes, when he pops, that's great. At his cost of acquisition, you probably picked him up off of waivers or he was $1 in an auction. Like, they're probably cheap, right? The problem is, like, if you're only getting one week, I still, it's still close enough to a zero that where like I don't want to have a a roster relying on hope you know eight guys like all right this is your week I need you to step it up and hope you crack my lineup like I want to build my roster so that I have that like I said that high score and I can have some of those mid tier scores who can still have pop weeks but I don't want to be banking on Noah Brown to crack my lineup and I you know it's just not the best way to go about things and uh it's not the most optimal way to use your roster spots either, even though it can work for you. And so going off of that, because you do have to look at that as you're going through the entire thing, pricing out everybody. That's also where I don't really want to invest so much of my capital into just three guys. I'm not really one that's going to sit here and be like, okay, I'm going to pay up for the Justin Jefferson. Then I'm going to pay up for Olave. Then I'm going to pay yep. up for digs because how do I fill out enough depth in a best ball league, and especially one like this where we're starting start 13 that have to hit the lineup. I can't build out a roster that really only has 11 guys. This is this is what we you know we call the studs and duds approach, and we see the we see the issues with it pop up a lot. If you if you do if you are able to get through the attrition of the year, 
it can absolutely smash. But more times than not, you're going to have setbacks on your dynasty team throughout the year. It's it's a grueling grind for 17 weeks that we typically play these leagues through. And you're not typically going to stay healthy with every single person in your starting lineup throughout the entire year. So I really want to try to be building out. Uh, I, I know for this specifically, I'm building out. I want to have 25 players that I think can hit my lineup every single week out of 32. And so I'm going to put a lot more of my assets into that. And then I'll take my $1 to $3 dart throws to fill out the rest of it. But I really want to try to build out that. Typically, I like to build out as close to I can is two times the number of starters for a best ball league. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this league. I'm going to talk about Royal Rumble specifically because the scoring is different than HVV or Heroes vs. Villains. So I... I can actually talk about this without giving away too much strategy over the next 20 days that we're going to be drafting in, in Heroes versus Villains. But one of the big things that I looked at with, with Royal Rumble was I wanted 24 players or 25 players that scored about 10 points per game or more. And it just gave me the opportunity for spike weeks, you know, because I was able to, to go in and look at spike week data and figure that out. Um, so like you said, like I want 25 players that can crack my lineup and that roster there in, in Royal Rumble is only 25 deep. So it's like I had to fill out the roster with as much depth as I could, could not waste a roster spot. So even though I had high end talent in there, I wanted to make sure that when I was using my my third round pick and I was making a trade for somebody, it's like, OK, is this player someone that can pop? Is this player that's someone that's going to be a consistent score of 10 points per game? Like, can they have a floor week for me from time to time? So am I, am I spending my capital wisely in a way that's going to, to give me some, some ROI? Um, so that's kind of how I, how I looked at it in Rumble was, all right, now that I have the, the X amount of players that meet a certain criteria of 10 points per game or more, nine points per game or more, I then wanted to make sure I had certain numbers at 15 points per game or more and 20 points per game or more. So this way I could build out in a certain way that I knew was going to be different than anybody else, but it also had the ability to score a shit ton of points on a, on a weekly basis. So um, Heroes vs. Villains has a little bit different twist with some bonuses and things like that, so I have a bit different way. But like that's that's kind of how I looked at it was I figured out what the optimal number was for, for scoring per week, what's going to make me a true contender in there if I scored 220 points a week or more, and then I made sure I built my lineup out so that my starting lineup, averaged 220 points and then i had the the ability to have spike weeks and floor weeks for from my depth players um so it's it's different for every league but that's kind of how i looked at it for that one um and that worked out pretty well obviously it worked out pretty well as you got that belt <laughs> hanging behind you but i do think we have to we have to caution like that is optimal roster construction right and, and you mentioned you mentioned good portion of that within there that each of the positions for you still had to score so many points so you you aren't even really cared about you know whenever you're leaning into that heart of a win now build you're not even really cared about the true value that the player is going to hold right. outside of just what the points per game is going to be for that specific year and i think it's a little bit of a cautionary tale of like you know we're, we're talking about trying to hold people players that are worth value it's fine whenever you're leaning into that build to go for the win now to just look at it in pure points per game but you also need to make sure that you're still above those thresholds that you mentioned make sure you're still with the with the players that you're projecting to hit your lineup they're still projected to score so many points per week to get you to a winning number i don't i don't want to take all of my assets and make it to where i 
I force myself to build 25 deep because it's incredibly hard. I honestly, like you went through an absolute grind to get yourself to 25 in that league. Most people in that league with just how they hold the value of their assets can probably only get to like 17 or 18 players that are really hitting their lineup every week, unless they do go just straight absolute crust all the way through. And then you nuke a little bit of your long-term intrinsic value there. You, You built through the quarterbacks really cheaply. And then you had a lot of the old, producing vets just make sure that you don't actually try to down tier because the the biggest thing that everybody wants to do in best ball is down tier but you can do it to a point where it's too far to where the players aren't scoring as much anymore and the value isn't there within each one of them that you can then reinvest later to get yourself some long-term pieces that'll give you a little bit more stability if you don't end up winning the ship that year the the key though to all of what you just said is like I made sure I left my draft with different players. The roster that you have at the end of an auction should not be your roster at the end of the year, at the end of a season. You will make trades. That is why the whole idea here is to to have that first equivalent value and making sure you have valuable players on your team so you can make trades. So if you do draft a good team, you have assets that are tradable that other players are going to want. So yes, like Rumble as an example, I, I... don't even know how many trades i made it was definitely like 15 ish trades on uh, on average so my my roster was nowhere near what it was when it started but you know it was a grind to move through that but i had players of value i had players that other people wanted i had picks made sure i acquired different things different assets that would allowed me the flexibility to make those types of maneuvers and then i was able to push in hardcore like you said with with some of those assets that you were just points i was just looking for points and i feel like that's the big thing you're going to be drafting for value and then that team is not your end of the season team that team is your starter at the moment we end this heroes and villains draft i mean shoot people are already talking mid-draft about making trades the moment that draft ends you got 35 other teams to make deals with and that is exactly what i'm looking to do i'm going to find people that are interested in players that i have see how i can accumulate value and or points and 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 depth you know what what moves can i make to improve my roster in a specific way that's going to allow me to win according to things that i'm looking at um again keeping some things very generic and basic because we do have 20 what four days left of drafting like oh yeah yeah. absolute absolute grind but but the thing that you mentioned there and we've touched on a couple of times is keeping assets that are worth value in your Mm -hmm. league and so if you aren't in that and if you aren't in that position where you're just turning everything into just straight points per game and you're trying to hold value of assets within your team built, make sure you have enough assets that are worth something to be usable on an open trade market. Like I don't want to just build out my team through two quarterbacks and then have nobody else that's worth a first on my team because now how do I, how do I backfill the rest of it? It's just only with draft picks or I have to tear up everything. And then I'm going to be so shallow that the roster won't really be in good construction format. And so I know we've been trying to talk through this one and I don't think we've gotten to a full like this is the definite answer, but I want to have at least a certain number of firsts in my in my roster that I could then convert basically anywhere and liquidate on the open market if I was trying to do that. And the number that I think I've picked out for this one that I really want to try to leave the draft with is at least 12, 12 players or players that are worth 12 total first round picks. That's my minimum. If I can get above that, anything else is kind of like gravy on the top while still building out the depth. But I want to have at least that many picks worth of value. And it it works out well in this one because it's a start 
13 is, I guess, the number that we're trying to hit because we're trying to get to a start 13 lineup. Yep. And I know it's it doesn't exactly work out the same way because let's say now we're in a start, like it's a best ball, but it's only start eight. I still don't care about building out nearly as much depth there. And so I probably want to invest a lot more of my assets in the really high capital guys. And so yeah. there, I think it is okay to lean into the two quarterbacks to then lean into another, like Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey type, and really go more studs duds approach there just because of the number of starters. But the further and further you get away from that, like normal base, like start 10, start 11 in best ball, the more you have to probably devalue that and bring that first overall first pick worth of value on the open market down probably to closer just to where that starting roster limit is. Yeah. And you touched on something there that, that really stood out was um, a lot of times I see people make a, a, like they'll, they'll get Mahomes and then they'll go after another top quarterback or they'll get Jefferson and Mahomes or they'll get two or three really high end players. And instead of accumulating value, even if it's, you know, lower tier players, maybe a Judy, uh, you know, whomever, Instead of trying to go after that, they're like, oh, I'm going to go get D-Hop. I'm going to go get uh, Keenan Allen. I'm going to go get you know Tyler Lockett. All of these aging guys who might put up points this year, but they just don't hold value beyond the points that they're scoring. Like in, in trades, you're just not going to get what you want for them. And that's the problem is that they think that, okay, well, I got to lean into this and I'm going to go after purely points. And that's not necessarily what you want to do in a startup because you can trade for that later. But in the startup, you want to make sure you accumulate that value first. Right. I think I think it's brand new as talks about it. It's fungible assets. You know, we, we 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 throw around that term in Heisman all the time. We want fungible assets, assets that we can convert into at any time. Now, in, in this type of league format that we're specifically talking about here, it's a lot easier. And you can kind of actually, I think you can actually build a little bit more specific because it is a three-copy league. You've got 33 mm -hmm. you got 35 other teams that you can work with now you get back into a normal 12 team auction now you only have those 11 team managers how many teams are actually wanting the type of assets that you have when you want to trade them your your trade market is only as good as the other 11 managers in your league and most you know 12 team leagues and so you have to make sure that the assets are actually being valued across the league if you know the league is currently out on a guy yeah sure you might get some value at the start of the draft but it's also a hard guy to trade it's like the will levis thing that we've seen going on right now <laughs> where i got will levis for 10 bucks i mean I, I thought that the discount was too good but what is will levis actually worth on the open market in that league right now where everybody just absolutely despises him I'm I'm really left holding the bag if he doesn't come out and start smashing. And if I want to trade him, which team is going to come calling to me to be like, oh, yeah, I'll give you that market value. I'll give you that you know, two seconds worth for Will Levis. I'm probably not getting it. I thought that was bad until I saw Trey Lance go for four dollars. <laughs> he is hated right now. <laughs> Absolutely weird. hated right now. And it's a good auction value. Like I honestly like looking back, like I should have gone in at it for, for that price. It's like, it's, you know, it's pennies on the dollar. Like if something does work out, you're going to get a massive ROI, but uh, it's just funny to see stuff like that. Right. Like there's some, and it gives you an idea of how the league feels. Like if, if, if someone's only willing to spend $10 on Will Levis or that no one's willing to push you any further, uh, it tells you all you need to know, even though like even in the community, you know, people talk about him being a back end first in the 2023 class. At worst, he's a high second. So it's like if he's only worth ten dollars, like that's says a lot about where people are on him. 
Yeah, and you know, in the, in you've, if you've got eleven other managers telling you exactly what they think, you have to take that into a little bit of consideration too. It, it, this even goes for you know just normal snake drafts. If somebody's just constantly sliding down the board and sliding down the board, it's kind of like the NFL draft too. You're you're seeing thirty two other teams pass up on this guy, and there's a reason for it. It only takes one team to overdraft a guy, but it takes 32 teams to fade, or in you know dynasty best ball leagues in our 12-team drafts, it takes 11 other managers to fade a guy and only one to overdraft him. So you, you just got to be careful sometimes. If the value is too good to pass up on, you can go into it, but just understand what you're doing whenever you go in on that type of an asset, that it really might not be worth as much as you personally think because you are playing in an isolated market. We've touched on a lot here today. Uh, we we kind of went left, around, up and down. But uh, anything else you want to touch on when it comes to to, to the auction aspect? Uh, thinking about the draft, thinking about kind of how to do things going forward. I think the biggest thing and the biggest takeaway that we really want to go through here is just looking for balance. You need to have the balance in your team. You can't have it be too stud and dud approach. You can't just build through only four stud assets and then backfill everything with $5 players. Typically doesn't work out that well. You also can't just get one really good asset and then, or no really good assets, and then you don't hold any value on your team anymore. Because if you just build through a bunch of guys that are only worth seconds, typically a lot of guys don't jump up from being worth a second to then being worth a first or two first. You're going to start bleeding out value as guys fade out of the league, especially if you do go for some of those older, crustier guys like the Keenan Allens. What's his value next year? I mean, especially if you're trying to build out that way through the running back position. What's the value of Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara if you built through your team that way last year? You have to make sure that you have some intrinsic value. Make sure that you're budgeting out through everything that you want to do with your team and make sure that it works and looks good after the draft. You can do whatever you want to do to make your team look the way you want it to look then, but you need to make sure that you're budgeting everything out to where you can get every asset that you want and make it worth the value that it should be and the points per game that you're really looking for. Yep. Know your scoring. Know how you want to allocate your budget. Go through that accordingly. Make sure you break it down positionally and then start shifting things as you go through. Accumulate that value and, and know you're making those trades afterwards. The, the team that you end an auction with is not the team you're going to go, you know, have going forward. And I, I just think that that's some of the biggest things. And then know how you're building, as you mentioned. Like, make sure if you have that balance, if you can get some studs and, and figure out a way to get some balance in there too, perfect. Um, but make sure you have a, a, an approach that you're willing to go with. And at the same time, you got to be fluid. You got you got to yep. read the room and just be flexible. I mean, you have to. You can't. You cannot be rigid when you're in an auction. If you are, you're going to have a bad time. It's the most difficult part about auction. It's why it's hard to do content. It's why there's very little content on auction out there. It's because everything is so. Everything changes so much auction to auction. If yep. if your if your other league mates don't value something as much, I mean, we're saying you typically see thirty percent on quarterbacks, but then we go talk to other people, and the top tier quarterbacks are only going for twenty five percent. 
if that's there and then I can change, I can change my value for me personally, I can change my par sheet. Then I can, then I can account for that. And I might actually be able to lean into two top eight quarterbacks. Everything is always on a sliding scale. And that's really like why I like to use that par sheet as I call it, which is where if I don't have to spend as much in one other spot immediately, as soon as I know what that value is, go reinvest it somewhere else within the position and make sure that you're always getting to that final number of your total the total amount that you can spend, make sure that everything works. If you overspend for one player, you know, sometimes you just can't help pass on that one guy and you don't hold rigid at your, just say you're setting it at $70. You can still go up higher. Just make sure to actually re reinvest, recalculate what you're going to be able to do at the other positions to fill out the rest of your roster. Everything is a fluid. Everything is fluid. Making sure that you're operating by your guidelines, what you need to do for that specific league to make everything work at the end. Yeah, man, you touched on something there that just stood out, the, the whole market aspect of you're working within your own market. Uh, I was in a two QB league, didn't value quarterback at all. They saw Mahomes go to 280 and they were like, why are like, what's going on? Why are people spending $280 on Mahomes? And it's like this one, it's two quarterback and two, like this is cheap for him and just super flex. Like, what are we talking about here? So it's just funny to see how people value things differently. So know your league, you know, that's another thing we talk about all the time. Know your league, make sure you know your scoring and uh, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on here? If you can't actually be in auction drafts, I know a lot of people are going to be following along with this one. And if you hate following along with this specific league, then I'm sorry. We talked about this specific league so much, but I think that's really outside of doing startup auctions. The only way that I think you can get experience is just kind of looking in on how other auctions are going. Cause the only time that you can really experience how an auction is, is if you're in it and doing it live. So following along with auctions that we're doing, following along, looking back on how past USFFLs have gone for those leagues specifically, looking across the format about, you know, how much has this player gone for? What's his high range that you've seen him go for? What's the low range? And then trying to figure that out within. There's no other experience and no knowledge that I think that we can even give you about how an auction draft is going to work for you until you're in that specific one and you've been in others before. There's no no experiences as good and no knowledge is as good as actually just being in there and getting the experience of doing these startup auction drafts. Yeah, Honestly, USFL style is one of the best ways to do it. Make sure you're part of, of the Destination Debbie Discord, patreon.com forward slash all gas, the best fantasy community to be a part of in general. But those USFL style auctions are are a great way to get an introduction to auction itself because um, it has a combination of things, but uh, just gives you that those tools that you need to be successful in auctions going forward. Follow us on Twitter, Trophy Chase, TFDR, Cody Smith, tfdr on twitter and then uh follow us on the fantasy draft room as well on youtube make sure you subscribe check us out but yeah destination debbie hands down the best place to be in fantasy patreon.com forward slash all gas um, and if you're in the heisman's here you have access to all of the content creators voice chat the ability to just connect on a whole new level and take your dynasty and fantasy football game to to new heights Yep. And stop doing snake drafts. I know it's scary. Stop. It's, it, it sounds like a lot. It's incredible. <laughs> it, it is, it's a pain your first time in, but trust me, do one auction draft, do one dynasty auction, startup drafts, specifically best ball as well. It absolutely changes how you do them. I know sleeper has their own way. We do most of ours through MFL. 
It is literally the most fun that you can have in a startup draft whenever you're not sitting there and saying, oh, my God, can you please pick? I'm next up and you're eight <laughs> hours on the clock in this next snake draft so I can make my pick. Uh, that, along with the one that we talked about with where you just get stuck at the back end of quarterbacks, you lose uh, out in the derby and now you don't have access to Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. You have access to every player. It is the best way to draft is by doing these auctions it sounds difficult it sounds scary but really if you have your plan in place you know where you want to allocate your funds spend your funds on it's really not that difficult go in trust your process stick to it but be fluid you can get there pretty well in the end yep well said man um well then let's wrap it out again auction that's the way to do it hit us up if you have questions find us in the discord and thank you so much for tuning in to the overreaction podcast.